What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock
Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, it is now time for me to go down this massive, massive timeline here, this super epic timeline of 1973 and bring you the best all-time music from that year. So as I've done for the last few years when I do these retrospectives, we are going to do the top albums of 1973. But before that, let's take care of a nice handful of odds and ends from the year 1973 as a bit of a warm-up to the big albums countdown. You, you might hear some construction outside my house on and off during these next few episodes. And that's apropos, because I'm actually still constructing the list here for the top albums of 73. So I'm happy to bring these odds and ends here to you. If you are a new listener, a new friend of the show, real quickly, the odds and ends are songs taken from single-only releases, soundtracks, EPs, cover albums, tribute albums, things like that. Basically songs that don't really have a home on a proper studio album and normally don't make it onto these year-end lists. And I like to shine a spotlight on him here, as I've done pretty much throughout the history of this show. So 1973, no exceptions to a lot of great odds and ends. As you could hear right there, a single only release. One of the great singles of all time. Freaking Ballroom Blitz by The Sweet. Okay, show's over. You can't get any better than that. No, I'm just kidding. But I will say that is probably one of the most recognizable songs you will hear over these next four parts. There's going to be one other song that actually I think might have been a bigger chart hit. At least in the States, I know it was a bigger hit. So that's my tease for a little bit later here. Yes, let's get back to celebrating some of these great songs. And here's a song from a covers album, which also happens to be the debut solo album by Roxy Music lead singer Brian Ferry. So yeah, Brian put out his first solo album. It was all covers. And I guess he did that as a way to basically not compete with Roxy Music because Roxy also had a record out in 73. More on that later. But yeah, I enjoyed this. The album is called These Foolish Things. And with it is a commentary that I like to put forward quite a bit. I am not a Dylan hater, but I'm definitely not a Dylan fan as a singer and performer. But I'd be pretty ignorant if I said that Dylan couldn't write a tune. So that being said, I am a fan of the Dylan lyrics in the hands and voices of others. Brian Ferry being no exception here, he turns in what I consider to be the definitive version of this song right here. So sticking with the art rock glitter glam scene of UK in the 70s, here's Brian Ferry doing a fun bouncy version of Hard Rains Are Gonna Fall. Oh, where have you been, my blue-eyed son? Where have you been, my darling young one? Stumbled on the side of twelve misty mountains Walked down by called on six crooked highways Stepped in the middle of seven sad forests Been out in front of a dozen dead oceans I've been ten thousand miles in the mouth of the graveyard It's a hard, and it's a hard, and it's a hard Gonna fall. 
Taking a Dylan classic and turning it into a fun, bouncy pop song, and I love it. That was a hard rains are going to fall, Mr. Brian Ferry right there. So the thing that I have massively enjoyed uh, revisiting a lot of these years of the 70s, and I look forward to all the subsequent ones for sure. And I think 72 was a good place to start as far as like the way that the tide was turning away from soft rock and folk music and just hippy-dippy stuff. I think 72 is a good year to start. Maybe eventually I'll do 70 and 71. But that all being said, hearing the birth of all these great subgenres that came from the 70s, and that's why I truly think the 70s is probably the greatest decade of musical history. And I do mean that because of things like the emergence of heavy metal, the emergence of punk rock, the emergence of hip hop, the emergence of funk, and the occasional revival, which... I don't think anybody saw this one coming. And I guess it's that thing that people talk about, the 20-year factor where everything old is new again, and that could be just a commentary on Madison Avenue, as the people who are now running things in advertising and marketing are the ones who grew up on the thing. So I guess maybe it's between that and some other stuff that just the stars aligned, that all of a sudden 50s music is back, which I think was great because as I spoke about all these different subgenres and everything, I, I like to see that kind of rebellion as well in a sense, because when you take things so far, you have to basically blow everything up, resimplify, and go back to basics. And there's definitely some relevance there as well. So with the 50s revival, you go back and look at Sha Na Na playing at Woodstock and they stick out like a sore thumb and pretty much everybody in the crowd and probably even the bookers of the festival are intending them satirically. 
And maybe even the band itself is intending some of this satirically. I'm not even sure about that, but I feel like they do love that music. But I just don't think anybody saw the 50s revival coming from a mile away because right in 1973 is really where it kicked off with the movie American Graffiti being so damn popular, becoming a cultural zeitgeist, much in the same way in the 90s the Days Confused would make 70s music cool again. American Graffiti did it first here and had this massive monster double album soundtrack with all 50s music on it. You got Wolfman Jack doing stingers as a DJ between some of the songs. I mean, just recreating the entire effect of what it must have been like to go cruising back in the day. And that all gave way to stuff like Happy Days and Grease and that's and Sha Na Na being superstars and having their own damn TV show at one point. So kicked off with American Graffiti. I'm not going to play any of the obvious oldies here from American Graffiti because actually a couple of new tracks spawned out of it. So I'm going to go ahead and give a double shot here. We're going to do a double shot on each of these episodes for sure. And I figured this is an interesting pull here because there was a new band that became somewhat famous out of American Graffiti because they played in the high school dance scene. And in real life, they were called Flash Cadillac and the Continental Kids. And in the movie, you see them playing at the hop. But they also, I guess because of their contribution, got to put an original song on the soundtrack. And the original does not stick out at all because it just sounds like a song that came out of that 50s rock and roll doo-wop era. So I'm actually going to play both Flash Cadillac songs here off of American Graffiti as a double shot. So here's this little old band out of Boulder, Colorado, getting a massive, massive break in show business right here on the American Graffiti movie and soundtrack. Here's Flash Cadillac. We're going to kick off with their cover of At the Hop. Decided that I'd drive her home 
shot right there of Flash Cadillac and the Continental Kids from American Graffiti starting with their version of the Danny and Juniors classic at the hop and finishing up with their original ballad for the movie She's So Fine which that, that could have been done by anybody that could have been a Spaniel song that could have been any of the the bands the hallway groups the diamonds the the penguins what have you okay yeah so one thing about the 50s revival in the 70s, which is definitely relevant because I, I feel like there was a bit of a boost for this guy here for sure because of it. Because I, I think definitely suffered from a decent amount of mostly irrelevancy in the 60s. And that's just honestly just due to mismanagement. But Elvis Presley, who is conspicuous by his absence on the American Graffiti soundtrack. And I don't know about you, but I love 70s Elvis a lot more than 60s Elvis for the most part. I mean, not that Elvis didn't have some cool songs in the 60s, but I just like the 70s stuff. He's going a little more R&B, and yeah, there's a lot more country on it too, but Elvis could take anything and make it his own, and I just like a lot of those songs. But probably his shining moment in the 70s would have to be Aloha from Hawaii, which was recorded in 1973, was recorded for a special the live album, the whole works. It was a multimedia happening. It's recorded at the top of the year of 1973. It says here at the Honolulu International Center. And if you haven't seen that special, you definitely need to. It's a massive piece of rock music history for sure. The band is smoking. Elvis is on. Seems very happy to be there and all that kind of stuff. So a positive note in his career. And much like if you ever heard the Elvis Live in Vegas box sets, Elvis never minded taking a jab at himself multiple times, very self-disparaging in a very charming way. And he even makes fun of his weight during Burning Love. And if you haven't seen that clip, then you're missing out. It's, it's good stuff. But I wanted to go ahead and include this one because I left a certain band off of the odds and ends because this band had a very, very notable handful of compilations out in 1973, but it didn't present anything new that I like to spotlight on these Odds and Ends episodes. And that was the release of the Beatles' two big comps, the red and the blue, if you will, the two double best ofs, which still sell tons and tons of copies to this day, whether it's on CD or vinyl or digitally. Those are the ones to get. If you got to take two Beatles albums with you on a desert island, those are honestly probably the two you want to take just because it gets the job done for the most part. So red and blue are very important, and you got to talk about them. So I figured this is my way of including the Beatles here in the odds and ends of 1973, because they're definitely still culturally relevant here in 1973. And Elvis giving a bit of a nod to him right here, as he would at this time in concert, with this George Harrison penned something. Something. Something in the way she moves. Tracks me like no other lover Something in the way she woos me I don't want to leave her now You know I believe in how Somewhere in a smile she knows 
All I gotta do is think about her Something in her style shows me I don't want to leave her now You know I believe in her
All right. I threw in that surprise, too, for to kind of wake you up there a little bit. I realize the last couple of songs have been very ballady, very easy listening type. So I figured I'd throw in that high energy live version of Credence Clearwater Revival doing Hey Tonight, which is easily in my top five Credence songs. Probably top three, honestly. That song always gets me going. Uh, but yes, from A True Odd and End, their first official live album, maybe not in John Fogarty's eyes, but their first live album, Live in Europe. So an example of a bunch of different good old boys taking planes to go record live albums somewhere else other than where they're normally used to. But yes, uh, it's a smoking live album there. Of course, Creedence a very controversial band, at least in their internal history. And that live album actually is one of those instances where they're performing as a trio because they have already bitterly split with Tom Fogarty out of that band and uh, a relationship that would never get repaired ever. But on stage, the music definitely speaks for itself. It is great stuff. So yeah, a little, little CCR there. Hey tonight. Hope you enjoyed that. So since we're already over in the UK, at least from a mental standpoint right here, let's stick with the UK once again. And one of the all-time great, probably the most British band of all time. And I do mean that. And I say that because I believe that also to be state of mind. Because, yes, there are all-time famous British bands. But those bands really belong to the world. And not that this band doesn't. But I feel like they are the most British. Because at one point they were like, we're not going to cater to the rest of the world. We're going to cater to our own people. And good for them, man. They are their own thing. <laughs> you, can't, you can't say that there's another band exactly like the Kinks, for sure. Especially if you check out their middle and later periods. They really just did whatever the fuck they wanted. And from a mental standpoint, they stayed with that working class, very British very proper type thing. Uh, also, whilst retaining the sleazy factor of rock and roll and R&B music. So much respect to the Kinks. There was an album that came out in 1973 that was basically kind of like a label cash cow. They took some songs that had never been properly released and put them all together and easily enough just called it the Great Lost Kinks album. And it's not a great album top to bottom, but there's some highlights on there for sure. One being a really early track right here, I believe from like 66 or 67 or something like that. But I figured I'd shine a spotlight on this one right here for you to enjoy here in the odds and ends of 1973, a song from the past, I'm Not Like Everybody Else.
stop all I'm around Do everything like you want me to There's one thing that I will say to you I'm not like everybody else 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 Nice, hard-hitting, raw B-side right there by the Kinks. I'm not like everybody else. That was the B-side to the very, very poppy and catchy Sunny Afternoon. So a little contrast there, which makes it a great single, great A and B-side right there. Hope you enjoyed that. Once again, that's off of the great Kinks Lost album, giving it a proper release on a full length at least, and not just relegated to being a B-side, giving it some deserved attention if you ask me. So yes... We are once again sticking with the UK with a band that I am just learning as of this week, putting this show together, that this was even a British band. I bet a lot of people out there do not realize that this band is from the UK. West Hampstead, to be exact, according to the little wiki window right here. But Hot Chocolate, yes, I bet you didn't expect to hear that name this early on in the 70s retrospectives. But in 1973, a few years before the funk and disco emergence commercially of Hot Chocolate, of course, with Emma, Sexy Thing, Everyone's a Winner. These things are stone-cold classics. But one thing I bet you didn't know, because I didn't know it either, and I'm not everybody, and I'm not better than anybody else, but learning this, I was like, wow, because one of the great, great songs of the 70s, if you ask me, is Brother Louie by The Stories. And it's an important song for sure. I had no idea that the stories version is a cover. It's a cover of the Hot Chocolate original. Yes, Hot Chocolate is the original band to do this song, and I did not know that prior to a few days ago. So my mind is blown. And I gotta say, I definitely understand because of what's going on in the world and basically what's still going on in the world, this song was written for a specific reason. If you've never really known just because of the catchy nature of the song what this song is really about, you're gonna know it. Listening to the original right here, the lyrics really come forward. And it's very on the nose, and there's a very uncomfortable talking piece in here. You'll see what I mean when we get to it. Obviously, we are telling a story here. No pun intended. We, the royal we. But you know what I mean. But check this out, man. The original version of Brother Louie here, done by Hot Chocolate. Enjoy.
I want no honky in my family. You dig? No honky in my family. See what I mean? And we really cause the same Ain't no difference between black or white. Brothers, you know what I mean. original version of Brother Louie. I need to track down that 45 or just look this up online somewhere because I'm looking at images of the 45 of this and it says the B-side is a song called I Want to Be Free and I'm wondering if that's a song that I know as an Ohio player song. More on that later. So with all that we are sticking with the Brits. Let's just do Brits rest of the way. Why not? This one right here, I'm pacing a lot of these episodes specifically. Obviously, I'm not doing an A to Z odds and ends as that would be pretty decently manic from the kind of stuff that I have lined up here. So basically trying to pace this almost like a concert in a sense. And with every concert, you got to have that main set closer and then you do the encore. So I'm going to give you an epic main set closer, I believe, on each of these episodes, unless I change my mind. But for this one, I'm definitely doing it with something from a live album, fittingly, and it's from the first official live album by Genesis. And yes, it's that Genesis, the early 70s art rock version of Genesis. Yes, it's very proggy. Yes, it's very massively, probably drug-addled, let's just admit it. But yes, a lot of theater, a lot of notes. This is a massive far reach from Invisible Touch, as you will hear on this track. I'm not saying either version is better. I actually tend to lean more towards the popular Phil Collins stuff, but I do recognize uh, how freaking brilliant they were as musicians early on, especially. So it's been interesting listening to these albums that I've never really given a proper shot. And I'm a little transfixed here by the actual album cover of Genesis Live, because clearly that's Peter Gabriel in some sort of like super evil looking cloak on stage. And Peter definitely used to dress in outlandish outfits in, in the day, if you didn't know that. Uh, but yeah, I need to look more into the history of Peter Gabriel's wardrobe whilst in Genesis. But as I do that, you're going to listen to this because I'll have plenty of time to do it here. Because yes, it's from a live Genesis album. 
is going to be a bit long. We're talking damn near 10 minutes right here, but this is a fan favorite right here, as you can tell by the reaction that it gets on the front end. This one's called The Knife. The Knife.
If you are still listening and you were patient and awesome enough to get through that entire track right there, The Knife by Genesis, off of Genesis Live, either recorded in Lancaster or Manchester, I'm not sure which one, but that's from Genesis Live, that was The Knife. Let's get to the encore right here, a two-minute and change song because you deserve it. Here's the B-side from T-Rex's 20th Century Boy. We're going to close off with Free Angel. Closing off part one here of the odds and ends of 1973 with T-Rex and a B-side called Free Angel, which was the flip side of the 20th Century Boy single right there. You can also find it officially on the two-disc bonus track version of Tanks. Possibly more on that album later as we get to the 1973 albums countdown. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Hope you're in for it. We've got quite a few more parts to deal with 1973. I'm not even sure how many episodes we're going to do on the albums, but I'll find out ASAP. Till then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs and followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, 
but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.